Father, we ask for your blessing on this continued study, a prophetic update of what is taking place around the world, what the scripture has to say about your return, and what lies ahead, what is the fate, not only of this country, but for every country on the face of the earth. We ask that you would provide for us wisdom and insight according to your word. And I pray, Lord, that um, this idea of eschatology, the end times things, that we would avoid the sensationalism, that we would avoid error, and we'd be able to stick to the truth so that we can be a witness, so that we can give a reasoned answer for the hope that lies within to others. So, Father, equip us for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you remember last week, I began a prophecy update on what is taking place throughout the world. And just to give context for those who weren't here, I always like to go back just a little bit and explain what we're talking about. That prophecy is centered around the nation of Israel. It's not centered around the United States. It's not centered around Russia. It's not centered around any other country except for Israel. And so everything that happens, God says, well, this is going to take place in Israel. This is going to come against Israel. And that's what we want to focus on. And so when you read the news, you want to pay attention to that. And also, as we got into Ezekiel chapter 38, I named for you, and I'll probably review that too. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open those up, and you're going to want to take out a pen, and so you can keep track of what those countries are that are named in Ezekiel chapter 38. And with this, when we look at eschatology, we want to know how close we are to the end. And believe me, I only want to inform you. I don't want to get you all worked up. I don't want you fretting about what's going to take place. God wanted us to know what is going to take place in the end, uh, the end times. He did not want us to be ignorant about it. He told us what our bodies are going to be like, how we're going to be resurrected, and how there's going to be the rapture, and how there's going to be the tribulation period, and the thousand-year millennial reign. And some naysayers might say, well, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Where is the promise of his coming? Remember, Scripture talks about... He is not slack concerning the promises he has given to us. He is just waiting for everybody to get saved. And so there is a final person that needs to get saved. And when that person gets saved, it's done. It's game over. Rapture happens. Go into the tribulation, thousand-year reign. So God has a specific number in mind of people that he wants to be in his church. If you're not saved, maybe you're the one holdout. We want to make sure that... uh, You accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and we can get on with this. Now, when it comes to the end times, there is this festival, this feast that is going to take place in September, and it coincides with the blood moons. Have you guys heard anything about the blood moons? Okay. Do you guys remember Y2K 15 years ago? We even had people from the church move to Idaho. Uh... Yeah, and they said, you know, it's coming down. This thing is going to disrupt everything. Nuclear bombs could go off. You don't know what's going to happen. We need to hunker down. And it was a big fizzle, wasn't it? Well, this blood moon thing was started by Pastor Hagee. I think he's out of Texas. And he wrote this book on the four blood moons. And people have been talking about the four blood moons. And I'm kind of like a wait and see. They say if the four blood moons take place, there's bad things that are going to happen to Israel. Well, that may be true it may not be true we don't know there's all kinds of speculation out there and if something happens major to israel like iran actually launches a nuclear weapon against them on the fourth blood moon i'm gonna say i'm a believer man you guys said it and i didn't quite 
buy into it. Now I'm fully converted. But I am right now just kind of going, ah, you know, there's people selling books for this stuff. Uh, there was a book back in 1988, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. If you guys remember that book, it was just like, well, he didn't show up, did he? And so people want to make money off of this stuff, and you have to be careful about that. It's one thing to be informed. It's another to rake in the cash because you want to frighten people and you want to give them information so that they'll be all uneasy and they'll keep on looking to you and your ministry can grow and that type of thing. My only motivation is so that you know what has taken place. That's what I want you to know. I want you to know what I've known and what has been passed on to me, I am passing on to you. So there will be an ingathering of Jews in Israel. I talked about this, Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse 8 and then jumping to verse 24. It talked about Israel once again becoming a nation and it was established May 14, 1948. This has not happened in the history of the world where a nation has been dispersed for 2,000 years and come back as one people. God prophesied that this would happen and it did. And of course, the Jewish population has been fluctuating. By the way, did you know that the population of the Jews before 1933 was 9.5 million Jews? We are almost back up to that point again. There are so many Jews around the world now. They have been uh, maintaining their own uh, ethnic identity, and there are almost 9 million. They say in just a few more years, they're going to be back up to the pre-Holocaust levels. And guess where they're all going to end up? They're all going to end up back in Israel. At least most of them are going to end up there. And then we talked about how Russia and its allies will attack Israel. Now, if you're not there already, Ezekiel 38, I just want to give you the names of these countries again that are prophesied will come down against Israel and will attack Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, Verse 2, son of man, set your face against Gog. And this is the leader or the ruler of Russia at the time because Russia is the land of Magog. Magog is Russia and the leader would be the prime minister. If it, this happened next week, it would be Putin. Okay, but it's who knows if it's going to be Putin or if it's going to be somebody else in one year, five years, a hundred years, we don't know. But it's going to be Russia. The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O God, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaw, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armored, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Now, we have to understand this was written to a particular people at a particular time that was thousands of years ago. Could you imagine if they said, or if this said, and I will bring out a great horde, your army, your navy, your air force, and bring them all down to the nation of Israel with tanks and planes. And if you said that 2,000 years ago, what would the reaction of the people be? What? What is a tank? What is a plane? What are missiles? You know, I have no idea what that stuff is. So it was written at a time to a people so that they could understand these are armaments of war. And so whoever this country is, it's Russia, is going to come down with its armaments of war. And it says, I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaw, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, which is Iran, Cush, 
which is Sudan and maybe Ethiopia, and Put, which is Libya, will be with them, all with shields and helmets. Also Gomer, which is Turkey, with all its troops, and Beth Tagarma, which is Armenia, and the far north with all its troops, the many nations with you. Now, again, this is about Israel. So from Israel, it's going to be to the north of Israel, whatever this country is. Now, if you've been paying attention to the news over the past couple of years, what happened to Muammar Gaddafi? He went down. Muslim Brotherhood got in there. There are radical uh, Islam, uh, radical Muslims, observers in that particular region, in that, in that uh, country of Libya, and they have taken over. Turkey is slowly turning over to an Islamic state. They are already an Islamic state, but a radical Islamic state. Sudan, Iran, we already know where Iran is. They are just like the terrorist nation of the world. And so we go on with this particular description here. In verse 12 of Ezekiel 38, I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins of the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. Sheba and Dedan, Sheba and Dedan is Saudi Arabia. And the merchants of Tarshish, I've talked about this, that's the area of the British Isles, which means Scotland and England and Ireland, all of those countries that are up there, they were the merchants of Tarshish. And then it says, and her villages. And I think I told you last week, This is the one reference that may refer to the United States because we are a village, we are a prince that has come from the British Isles and merchants of Tarshish. That would be it as far as the United States is concerned. It it would give us the understanding that, well, we're probably here, but all we're doing is standing back and objecting verbally. We're just saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? We're not getting involved, right? Just like now, we're not getting involved in anything which is out there. So what does that tell you about the political stance of our country? Where it's going to be at that time? We are going to be a do-nothing country. You see how we're going to decline? And are we already there? Well, we're already there. Will it continue to be there? Well, let's wait till 2016. We'll find out. But I don't give any hopes that we're going to turn that around, especially with the educational system that we have. So what do the current events tell us about where we are in regards to this conflict? And I already told you, Russia is gearing up for war. And this just in September 11th. This was written by Jennifer Griffin and Lucas Tomlinson and Fox News. It says, As the Pentagon warily eyes a Russian military buildup in Syria, Western intelligence sources tell Fox News that the escalated Russian presence began just days after the secret Moscow meeting in late July between Iran's Quds Force commander, their chief exporter of terror, and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Fox News has learned Quds head Qasem Soleimani and Putin discussed such joint military plan for Syria at the meeting and encounter first reported by Fox News in early August. The Russians are no longer advising but co-leading the war in Russia. One intelligence officer said the Quds forces or force is an, is the international arm of Iran or Iran's revolutionary guard involved in exporting terrorism to Iran's proxies throughout the Middle East, including Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. 
Intelligence sources told Fox News that in addition to previously reported arrival of nearly 50 Russian Marines, 100 housing units, and armored vehicles delivered by streams of massive Antonov-124 Gondor military transport aircraft and two Russian landing ships in Syria, the Russians have delivered aviation, intelligence, and communications facilities to deploy a powerful offensive force. Officials who have monitored the buildup say they have seen more than 1,000 Russian combatants, some of them from the same plainclothes special forces units that were sent to Crimea and Ukraine. Some of these Russian troops are logistical specialists and needed for security at the expanding Russian bases. Now, if you know anything about your geography, you have Russia that's to the north and to the east, and they come down into Syria. Now, the only thing that separates Syria from Iran is Iraq. Iraq, again, is being taken over by ISIS. ISIS and the Shia over in Iran, they are two peas in a pod, and you get right up to the border of Syria, and they're just moving right into Syria. And what is right next to Syria? The Golan Heights of Israel. And the Israel Israelites took over, the Israelis took over the Golan Heights, and they want it to go back to Syria. And the Israelis are saying, no, if you get the Golan Heights, and I've been up to the Golan Heights, and there's gun turrets up there, you can see right down towards Damascus. And it's a perfect place to mount an offensive or be in a watch out for any troops that would be coming. If you gave that up, and that's been the push that Israel gives that up, then it's nothing for the troops to come in to the main part of Israel and go to Tel Aviv and go to, um, I'm thinking the town that has a nuclear power plant. I can't think of it off the top of the head. But down in Jerusalem, they can just take over the whole country from that point. And who's coming into Syria? It's Russia, and they are setting everything up there. They're not just moving in a couple of troops. They're setting up all the intelligence information apparatus, all the radar, all of that stuff. So if they ever want to mount an attack against Israel, it is set up. It is ready to go. This wasn't the case 10 years ago, and now it is. And lo and behold, you read Ezekiel 38 and you go, wow. That's what Ezekiel 38 says is going to happen. So how close are we? I don't know. Let's go on. <clears throat> there is going to be a worldwide change economically. Now, I talked to you a little bit about this as well, how uh, there is, the UN wants to go to a global currency to replace the dollar. And, of course, we talked about Spain and China and Greece and Russia and the U.S. and how we're all doing economically. And there's a lot of false information that is going out there. I think I talked about the labor rate, what the labor rate is. And 94 million Americans aren't working, but the unemployment rate is at 5.5%. That is, I want to say it nicely, that is such a lie. It is not 5.5%. Some people put it at over 24% unemployment, but we are being given false information, and that's for political reasons. So that is what is taking place around the world. And Canada as well, they just slipped into a recession. I talked about California and what is going on with that and the water rates, the SDG&E, the green energy, uh, DMV rates, the Obamacare. There's a big price hike coming on that, so you need to hunker down and get ready for that. And there's going to be a global identification system and control system put in place. Now, this is where I talked about the mark of the beast. If you don't have it, it's Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. It says this Antichrist guy, 
He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And if you don't have that mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. Right now, to buy or sell, you have to have cash, you have to have a debit card, you have to have a credit card, or just plain good looks, right? You have to have something like that in order to buy. You can't just say, I want that, and somebody's going to give it to you. There has to be some type of barter system, whether it's money or it's some labor or whatever the case is going to be. But they want you to have a mark in order to have this. Now, you have to sit back for a minute and you have to ask yourself, why is a mark necessary? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, it'll identify you. It'll identify you on whose system you're in. The Bible says that if you take this mark, there's no chance to go to heaven. You are done. And you will be here for a little while, but God's coming back within the either three and a half years or seven year period, whenever the mark is instituted. You cannot go to heaven. Whoever takes that mark is claimed by the Antichrist, claimed by Satan. And so there's this big move in Christendom to watch out for when this mark gets implemented. And when there's this vera chip, you guys know what the vera chip is, right? You put it into pets. Well, they're putting it into people too. And they're billing it as something good for your kids because you can have a GPS hooked up to that. And it can be powered by the body heat. And they can track wherever your child is. You know, they, they just want to keep track for your safety. This is for your Yeah, this is for your benefit. And so they want to do this. All right, well, why do they want to track, especially your financial dealings? Why do they want to know what you buy? Do they already track that? (laughs) Who hasn't bought something on the internet? One, (laughs) two, three. Everybody else has bought something on the internet. Maybe four. And so, do you think that transaction is recorded somewhere? Oh, yes. It's re- do you think it'll be there forever? No. When Christ destroys the earth, it'll be gone. Okay? But it's going to be there until then. And they will be able to look at that. Now, I'm going to park here for a minute. This, you wrap your mind around this. And now, when I tell you this information, you're going to be looking for it. And you're going to go, no, that, he talked about that on Sunday. Oh, man, do you see that? You're going to get all excited about it, okay? So this, this is what they want to do. Information is king. Insurance companies, for instance, they want to have all your information, your driving habits, what you do. They take surveys all the time. They want to reduce their risk. And actually what they're insuring you for is what won't happen. They're not insuring you for what will happen. They're insuring you for what won't happen. You buy a new computer, what do they tell you? We can give you this backup insurance plan for the first three years, and if something goes wrong, then we'll replace it, right? They're counting on it not going bad in the next three years. And then they'll give you an extended plan and the price goes up because they know the chances of that going bad. So they keep track of all that information. They keep track of what is going on and if you put that kind of information available under your skin, you know, if your forehead or your skin has it all the time and it can be loaded and unloaded from there. I recently got a new um, credit card and it has, the, it has the chip right on the face. And I used it for the first time. I went to Walmart and I went to slide the card 
like that. And the lady goes, no, you can't do it like that. I go, why? It has a strip on the back. And she goes, no, you have to insert it. I go, oh. So I inserted that chip. And it, you know, it does its thing. And it records the transaction. It reads my information. It does everything and prepares me for the next time that I'm going there. And so I am just like going through the system. It's like the matrix thing. And I pull that out and I go, that was weird. It'd be so much easier if it was just my hand, right? You put that in there, but they have it on the credit card. And so you just slip that thing in and you can see where all this is going. Now, if you capture all this information, all the transactions from all the people and they have your profile, they know who you are. Does the power, do the powers that be know who you are? They know if you're male, they know if you're female, they know your height, they know your weight, they know your birth date, they know everything about you, they know your shopping habits, they know what food you like, they know if you want to go to the movies, they know what kind of gas you like, they know what gas stations you go to, they know how far you drive, the new cars, you know, they can track you. I I told you last week about the uh, license plate reader system. One police car can read 10,000 license plates in a day. And so every police car that's out there, and there's some of these things that are set up that aren't on police cars, they just see you going by the freeway and they know who the criminals are and they can go pick them up at any particular time. They know where you are 24-7. I told you, even if you turn off your cell phone, the GPS on there, they still know where you are because that cell phone is pinging off of the towers in the area. So they have this information. They know so much about you and it is being recorded and it is being stored. Now stop there. What do you do with the information? Just store it? Oh no. You don't just store that information. You develop programs. Do you guys know what algorithms are? Now, some of you probably do, and some of you probably don't. But all it is, is it, it finds out, it's a mathematical formula that kind of finds out how to get from point A to point B. It just lines things up. And if you want a desired result, you figure out an algorithm for that, and you will get the desired result in 80 or 90 or 95% of the time. That's how they use these algorithms. They figure that out. We'll put all the information about your purchasing power and you and your race and your age and all of that stuff, and you put it in there. And if they want to know some demographic on what's to be purchased, who's going to purchase it, how much they will make, they have all that information. I know this guy... I met him on one occasion. He was a TA up at Berkeley. And he got a job offer in Chicago. He went to Chicago and he got this job and his first bonus was six figures. Nice job, huh? His job is the psychology of finance, which means you take First, do you know what the definition of psychology is? The definition of psychology is to predict and control behavior. I remember that from Mr. Wade in psychology that I took in college. It's to predict and control behavior. If you have the psychology of finance, you're predicting and you want to control what people do with their money. And he got a six-figure bonus. So he must be doing pretty good. Now, this was several years ago, probably seven, eight, nine years ago that he got this job. And I'm sure he's doing much better now. But he uses things like these algorithms. He sits down and he does that with the programming and keeping track of all this information. And you might say, what does this have to do with the Bible? 
just hold on. I'm getting there, all right? I'm, I'm just working my way over there. It's this idea of controlling you. There is this worldwide effort to control the population. The United States is one that has always said we are a free country. We're becoming less and less free, but the rest of the world is not free. We are the ones that maintain the most freedom, but it is slowly being eroded from us as well. And it is being eroded by those who desire to control. Now, that is just your credit card, right? Now, some of you have your credit card on your phone, your debit card on your phone. I've seen people do it up at Starbucks. They put the program up there, the app, and they stick it up to the scanner, and it debits their account. goes directly into their account. Now, cell phones. Who wants to guess how many cell phones, smartphones, there are in the world that will be in 2016? A billion? There will be 2.16 billion smartphones in the world. Now, if they record everything that you do, by the way, if on Android you go over to the widgets and the apps over there and you click on that and you grab an app and you go up to info and you throw it into info, it will tell you all the permissions that it wants. And you might have a flashlight and the flashlight wants to know, well, I want to see your pictures. I want to see your address book. I want to see your videos. I want to see everything about you. Almost every app does that. Did you know that? You're just giving them your information. And so they're storing all of that. Now, if you take all that information from 2.16 billion smartphones, you put all the profiles of all the people in that together, you mix all that information, you can know the probability of what somebody is going to do at any particular time. And now, it doesn't stop there. I showed this in the home fellowship. Maybe you guys will remember this, but I showed you that drone footage of the 40,000-foot drone that can stay up there for days and even weeks at a time, and it takes real-time photographs and video of what's on the ground, and they can read a newspaper that's on the ground. And they take that information, and they store all that information. They want one of these flying over every major city in the United States. Using that, they can go back and they determine who committed crimes, what getaway car was. They can focus in on that getaway car. And from that particular point, they can also read the license plate. They also have facial recognition technology. They also know where you are at any particular time. They can look right through a house and they can tell you who is in the house through infrared technology. You think that you're all alone. You are not alone. Now put all this together. You got your credit cards. You got the 2.16 smartphones that are out there. You got the um, technology, the camera technology which is out there. Put all those together and how much information do you have about the population of the world? It is going to, once you stick an algorithm and some programs with that, you are going to have, they're going to be able to predict what you are going to do. Remember the film Minority Report? They don't need three people in a bath of water. They are going to already know what you are going to do based on algorithms and programming and all of that. Now, why would somebody want to do that? What does that have to do with buying or selling unless you have the mark? Because they desire to control you. What if you were a threat? What if you said something that they didn't like? What could they do to you? There was a film that, I forget the name of the film, it had um, Gene Hackman and um, Will Smith in it. Enemy of the state, right? 
They were able to track them. That was 40-year technology, 40-year-old technology there. What they have today, I, I just don't know. So if somebody comes to power that says, we don't like what you're doing, they expose you. Which one of you does not have sin? We're all sinners. What if they made it public or threatened to make it public? Would it change your behavior? Probably. It would probably change your behavior. And believe me, they know what you're doing. Now, they don't sit there and look up individual people and go, oh, look at this, I can use it. It's when they want to, they can go get the information and they can bring it out and they can use it against you, which will enable them to control your behavior. And that's exactly what the Antichrist wants. Wants you to get in line, wants you to do things his way. And ultimately, the buying or selling with the chip is going to make this a possibility. With uh, the insurance, <clears throat> automobile insurance, have you ever heard of telematic insurance? No, probably not. Your insurance company, if they haven't already, they're going to want you to get an app on your phone, your smartphone, to where they can track your driving habits. They will know how fast you're going when you make a stop. If you go around a turn, how fast you take that turn, if you're on two wheels or if you're on four wheels. They want to put this inside your car too so they know exactly what your driving habits are and then they can charge you accordingly. And if you're a bad driver, they will raise your rates. And if you're a good driver, they'll say, we'll give you a discount if you drive well. Will that control your driving habits? It will. This, it, this is the idea about control. This is what the Antichrist eventually wants. This is the idea behind buy or sell with the mark. It's all this technology is coming up and people are just buying into it hook, line, and sinker and it's being sold as it'll be good for you. It'll be good for society. And so we all just need to comply with this and things will be just fine. Now, going on with this, By, let me ask you this. Do you guys have the Waze app? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Waze is like Google Maps. Only it tells you where you are on the freeway. And it, the more people that have it, the more input they put to it. Like, for instance, if you're driving somewhere, when Patty and I, we went over to Arizona, we plugged that thing in. and It's oh, kind of cool. There's a police officer up at the next exit. You know, it tells you that. It tells you where a Kentucky Fried Chicken is. It tells you how long it'll take to get to your place. It tells you where the backup and traffic is. It's all good. Guess who owns it? Google. They, Google now knows, if you have this app, where you're going. And they have some Google Plus stuff on there too. And, and they offer to keep track of everything you do so that when you take pictures, you know exactly where you are. They'll keep all that information for you so you won't have to remember anything. You can just go to the app and you can look it up and, oh, there it is. This is what I did at this minute on this day back in this year. And they have that information too. They want the information from you and they bill it as something, oh, it'll help your failing memory. It's good for you, right? Going on. They force everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And so they want to control who you are, your behavior, what you buy, your social habits, your internet habits, your text messages. By the way, every text message that you send is recorded. Have you ever heard of the program Echelon? That was back when Bill Clinton was in office. Echelon records every single phone conversation, every single text Everything that goes electronically, every fax, it records it all, and they store all of that information. You think those things are yours? They're not. 
phone conversations, driving habits. They want to know who your friends are. If you have Facebook, they know who your friends are, what your interests are, where you vacation, what's your favorite food, your particular uh, political affiliations. Uh, also, if you're pro-gun, pro-life, pro-Christian, pro-Muslim, pro-pacifist, uh, pro-activist, they will know by your web-surfing habits who you are. And they can mobilize or sequester at will once they have all this information if they desire to do so. Now, if you walk away from here, from church going, they're coming for me. (laughs) Don't worry about it. The first thing you have to do is recognize we're all sinners. And if somebody wants to expose something on you, it's going to happen. And you just say, they're right. I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. None of us is out of that realm. Not one of us. And I don't think they're really looking for us. They might be looking for me. But for you guys, I, I don't know. I, I want to give you an example of this, by the way. And, and all this is coinciding with what is taught. I'm going to give you... I might not even finish this today. I might have to go into a third week. This last week on Thursday, I had been talking to my daughter for a week because my granddaughter moved to a new school. She moved to a new school up in the San Marcos area. I'm not going to mention the school. It's a middle school that's up there. It's brand new. At least it's been there for a couple of years. And my daughter found out that they're going to be teaching Islam. And so her hair caught on fire. And I said, calm down, you know, just relax a little bit. We'll, we'll go talk to him. And so we did. We went and talked to him. It was my daughter. It was myself. And there was also an instructor for the SEAL teams out in Coronado. He wanted to go with us. He's kind of checking out Christianity. He's not a Christian, but he wanted to go along. And he was in his full uniform. He had it all there. He had the SEAL team insignia and all that kind of stuff. And he came in and it was all very cordial. We sat down and so I sat down with the teacher and with the principal. And I wanted to discuss, I said, you know, I'd like to discuss this Islam thing. You know why we're here on what's going on. And they showed us the textbook and I started going through the textbook and there are five pillars of Islam. Five pillars of the Sunni Islam. If you go to the Shia Islam, there are 12 pillars that they deal with. But there's five pillars that are dealt with in there. And it basically tells you how to become a Muslim. And so I said, you know, you guys teaching Christianity, you teaching Buddhism? They said, actually, we are. We're going to teach those as well. And I said, when you get to Christianity, are you going to tell people how to become a Christian? And the teacher, she let me know she was a Christian. And she said, well, we're going to talk about Martin Luther and how faith is important. You know, I didn't ask that. I didn't ask if you were talking about Martin Luther, but it clearly states the five pillars of Islam. If you follow these things, then you are a Muslim. But when it comes to Christianity, they're not going to do that in that section. I said, are you always going to tell somebody how to become a Buddhist? I said, you know, Buddhists are misogynists as well. I said, Islam is, they're misogynistic. They hate women. And I said, are you going to talk about that? Are you going to talk about how bad it is? Are you, when it comes to 9-11, are you going to tell them what happened in 9-11? Why 9-11 happened? And they said, no, we're just allowed to give the information. We can't show any pictures or any videos of the towers going down. And I said, what is the purpose of that? They said, well, we're just supposed to inform the kids. They're seventh graders. We don't want to traumatize them. I said, but you, you have to make sure that you tell them the truth. 
If you don't tell them the truth, you know, I'm getting a little worked up at this point. I, I told my daughter, I said, just relax, you know, you don't have to get all worked up. And here I am, I'm just getting all worked up over this. And so I'm talking to the principal. I said, if you don't tell them the truth of this stuff, you're just propagandizing them. You're just giving them some milk down or milk toast history. You want to tell them what's right and wrong. And I turned to them and I said, do you tell them what's right? I, I wasn't quite this passionate. I'm getting all worked up now. But I, I turned to them and I said, do you tell them right and wrong? And you know what their response was to me? Well, right and wrong is relative. Oh, I, now I'm giving you my words, but that's exactly what they told me. And I, you've you got to be kidding me, right? I didn't say that. I'm thinking it, right? And they, they made it clear, and I understand this, that they have to teach according to the mandates of the state of California, and that's in the textbook. And the textbook, and I actually started going through the textbook, and it, in Muslim uh, religion, it talks about the five pillars, it talks about jihad, it talks about the hajj, it talks about all these things involved with Islam and you look at Christianity and you just got a couple of pages. For Islam, you got several pages in there. And I'm going... And I turned to them and I said, you know, Islam, I believe it to be evil. I don't believe it to be good. I'm sure that went over like, just, you know, wonder. I said, it is evil. I said, they are killing people even today. They are killing the Christians. I said, and they came back and they said, well... You know, we really can't traumatize the kids. I said, I get that. You don't want to send them home crying. And, Mommy, the world's going to end. You know, you don't want to have something like that going on. But you, like Pearl Harbor, you tell them that we are at war with the imperial regime over in Japan and they killed us. They came over and just bombed us without any provocation whatsoever. It was an evil act. Do you call things evil? And they would just say, we have to teach from the textbook. We can't veer from that. We can't get information from the outside and bring that in. We have to stick to the textbook. And again, I said, if you're doing that, you're just propagandizing them. You're not telling them the truth. You're not going to prepare them for life ahead. I said, isn't that what you were supposed to do as instructors? Is you're supposed to tell them what to be weary of, what to avoid, what to accept. And they said, you know, we have three or four Muslim students in here. And then the teacher said, we have to avoid hate speech. And I said, I want to ask you a question. If you tell somebody the truth and they consider it hate speech, should you not tell them if they need to hear it? No answer. Would not respond. And at that particular point, I wanted to ask one more question, but I didn't because I knew it, it was just going nowhere. And the question was, if the state of California passed a law that you thought was bad, immoral, and unethical for the schools, would you teach it? And I knew I wouldn't get any response from that, or at least any satisfaction, because they're going to revert and say, we just have to teach what the state of California tells us to teach. And I walked away just like, well... That's the world we live in. And they encouraged me and they encouraged my daughter, just go home and teach your granddaughter, teach your daughter what she needs to know. And so I did. I went right to the house and I said, I want to let you know something. Islam is evil. 
You know, and I, I told her about it. I, I said, this is what you have to be aware of. They're going to teach you all this stuff. And I just, you know, I tried to pack about 20 years of information in about five minutes to her. And I'm sure it was probably a little overwhelming. But, I, you know, I was ticked. Can I say that? I was, I was ticked on the inside that this was happening in a brand new school. And this is going through the state of California. If you've got grandkids, if you've got kids, and they are in school, you have to know that they are being prepped for a world that you will not recognize. And a world that they will entrap them, they will control them. By the way, when it comes to the 2.16 billion smartphones that are out there, do you know how many times in a day the average person checks their smartphone? 50. 50 times on average. How much does a junior high or high school kid check their cell phone? My daughter once had 500 texts that I was paying for. So (laughs) go figure. Now, if they take all that information, they put it together, what do they know? They know everything about you. Again, it's for the purposes of control. Now, there's a little bit more here in five minutes. Can I make it? I don't think so. There will also be... I want to make sure I gave you the last... Yeah, I talked about the global identification system. Then there's going to be a realignment of the countries and the territories throughout the world. The Bible talks about in the book of Daniel, in chapter 7, verses 23 to 25, that the Antichrist is going to come onto the scene and he's going to devour the whole earth, is what it says, which means the United States is going to be subject to this guy. Then he's going to divide it up. Some people think it's just a 10-nation confederacy in Europe. Some people think it's 10 regional powers like North America, South America, Asia. It'll be Europe. It'll be the Russia. It'll be Africa and uh, Australia. You know, you just divide those up into different ways, and it'll be seven different ways it's going to be divided up. The Bible talks about that, that the Antichrist is going to do that. Just let me read this to you. It says, he gave this explanation, the fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trample it down, crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come after this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones, and he will subdue. And it just it keeps on going on to describe what's going to happen. Now, we just covered this in the home fellowship when we went through the book of Daniel, what exactly is going to take place. So it's talked about that these ten kings are going to show up. And when these ten kings are there, there's going to be one that's going to rise through the ranks, and he is going to be called the Antichrist. He is not a mythological creature. He is going to be a real man. Now, the Bible talks a lot about this guy. Now, there's the spirit of Antichrist, and there is the Antichrist. The Antichrist, it says, you will possess human qualities, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. You will speak great words, same verse. He will make war against God's saints and prevail against them. He will speak great things against the Most High. He will change times and laws. Um, it shall possess authority for times, times, and half a time. That's talked about in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. How long is that class, times, time, and half a time? three and a half years he's going to be in power. His power will coincide with the falling away from the truth. What that means is there are people who would hold to Christ. They will fall away. 
They will claim Christ, but they will fall away from that. They will apostatize, is what that's called. He will oppose God. He will exalt himself above God. He will oppose true worship. He will demand to be worshipped. He will sit in the temple of God. He will be destroyed at Christ's comings. He will, a coming. He will do the work of Satan. He will use lying signs and wonders. He is definitely a liar. He denies the Father and the Son. He denies Christ came in the flesh. He will be a deceiver. He will receive a deadly wound. That deadly wound will be healed. The world will wonder after this particular beast. Satan gives him his power. The beast will demand worship. Other nations will not be able to make war with him. He will speak great things and blasphemies. The world will accept him as a huge leader when he comes onto the scene. Now, I've mentioned this before. How eager is the world for somebody who will just lead? Look, now, I'm not going to get into the politics of this. Why do you think Trump is doing so well? It's because the guy's leading, right? Nobody else wants to lead. Whether you like him or not, both sides are saying, well, he's saying things and he's getting kind of attention. He's saying, I'm going to do this. And everybody else will say... Well, you know, we need to sit down and think about it and have a bipartisan committee, a blue ribbon committee that goes over there and makes these decisions and we'll finally come to a, you know, a reasonable commitment after about four years of studying this and maybe we'll have to have a second study and we'll go on from there and see if the money is available and then it depends on if the budget is available too and then we have to go back to our particular districts and talk to the people in the districts and see if they're agreeable to this and you get the picture. And Trump comes along and he says, this is what we're going to do. End of story. And people go, yay! It's because he's leading, right? The Antichrist, when he comes up, he's going to lead just like... I'm not saying Trump is the Antichrist. He, he will lead just like that. He will come on the scene. People will gravitate towards him and say, wow, now that's a guy who can lead us into the next century. Let's pray. Father, there's... So much information here. I pray that we'd be able to contain it. I ask, Lord, that uh, as we will more than likely continue, Lord willing, with this next week, we would ask that you would give us insight and a credible wisdom, what to look for, what to understand, what to stand for, what to oppose, and how we do it with what demeanor, what words we choose. Help us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Help us to use your word effectively. And all for the sake of your kingdom and for those who are perishing. Lord, for we know you gave us this information. We can see it just congealing around us. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us not to lose hope. We have our hope based in you. We shall not fear. Even those who can take our lives, we shall not fear. For we know you have told us the end, how it turns out. And for this we give you thanks, Lord. There's nothing else we can do. We ask for your plan to unfold, and we ask, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.